Why, hello, it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with PJ Harding over Zoom video. PJ was born and raised just north of Sydney in Australia and talks about how he got into music, comes from a very, very musical household. His grandparents were jazz musicians. His parents were in a folk band uh, that they would tour around and play at different churches. So he's always kind of been a part of music. He talked about getting into songwriting. He ended up getting into college uh, as a fine arts major for painting. But before he went, he deferred after high school a couple of years to pursue music. He ended up then going into university. And while at university, he kind of fell in love with filmmaking. So he thought he was going to do that as a career, but was always working on, on music. He talked about getting a job writing jingles and writing instrumentals for commercials. And that's what kind of brought him back into music. He talked about some successes he had with his own music on Triple J Radio in Australia, and that led him to being involved in a bunch of different writing camps. In one of those writing camps, he met Noah Cyrus, and they wrote the song July, and that became a massive hit for Noah, and they ended up working together, and they've been working together for a number of years now. PJ worked with Noah on the End of Everything EP and her new album, as well as the EP that they did together called People Don't Change. PJ talked about writing his debut EP, and we hear all about that uh, as well, and all the new music he's been working on, and that EP is called To Fall Asleep. You can watch our interview with PJ on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with PJ Harding. Awesome. Well, um, very nice to meet you. This is a podcast about you and your journey in music, and we'll talk about uh, To Fall Asleep. Cool. Awesome. So uh, first off, talk to me. Where were you born and raised? I'm guessing uh, a part of Australia, <laughs> maybe. Definitely a part of Australia, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was born, uh, I'm in Sydney now. I was born like an hour and a half north of here um, in a, a town called Gosford. They call okay. it the, the Central Coast. It's the Central Coast of New South Wales. Very beachy and, uh, you know, nice. It's nice. lovely. Did you? Grow up going to the beach, like surfing and stuff. I I grew up in San Diego, so I was right ish to the close to the water, but yeah. I wasn't big into surfing. But uh, no, we, a lot of my friends were. <laughs> we were big beach people. Uh, I I used to bodyboard. I was not into surfing. My older brothers really, you know, super into surfing, and uh, yeah, my dad used to be into kneeboarding, which is a very like oh, old yeah. man uh, ver version of surfing. Sort of surf on your knees. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could do that on the bodyboard uh, too, right? You could get it, like a lot of those guys would get can, up on one yeah, knee. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I, that was beyond. That's I would right, just like yeah, drop, lay drop on the knee. thing like a, you know, goober. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Would you get on your knee? I mean, that's wild. That's like some serious. Yeah, I did some. I did some drop. I did some drop knee. Yeah, I was really into it. Uh, probably up until I don't know my, my mid teen years. I I sort of stopped. Okay, to the beach so much, um, <laughs> but it used to be that, that was the ritual, you know. Especially around holidays, you know, wake up at five a.m. and go to the go to to surf from you know five thirty till midday and come home and eat. Uh, yeah, at that age, like more food than I've ever eaten in my life. Nothing right. It gets your appetite going. Like <laughs> five hours of surfing before breakfast. Yeah. Oh, wow. I know. I had friends that would go before school and stuff. I'm like, you guys are wild. Like, yeah. Getting to the beach at like five and then getting to school at 730. Yeah. You got to be obsessed. My brother, yeah. Tim, still does it. Um, uh -huh. It's like, I don't know, as an old man, it, that feels that feels like a crazy thing to be doing <laughs> at 6 a.m. And especially with kids, it's like you don't need any extra reason to wake up early, you know. Right. 100%. Children. I've 
I've got a couple of kids as well. Oh well, yeah, you, you know all about it. That's as uh, hard, hardcore as it gets. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. So, how did you get into music? Do you have uh, musicians in the household, or do you come from an artistic household? I can't speak. Yeah, artistic but, household. <laughs> it's, it's a fairly artistic and musical family. Both my grandparents on my mum's side were jazz musicians. My grandfather oh, was wow. a drummer, and my grandmother uh, was a singer. And, uh, you know, just grew up around that being like a very normal thing. And both my parents, my mother's a beautiful songwriter and they were kind of missionaries and part of their, um, part of what they would do is like every Sunday we would sort of get dragged around to a different church or whatever. And they would play songs. Uh, you know, my dad played guitar, like very folk folk sort of like classic uh folk duo christian folk duo oh cool um but beautiful songs um and they'd go around uh to different churches and play those and get people to support their the ministry that they were doing so um yeah i was kind of surrounded by it in really different ways on one hand with my grandparents it was like oh that can be a career you know you can Mm -hmm. it's a legitimate thing to do is make money through being a musician and then through my parents, where it was this thing that supported them, but it was also um, something clearly that was very important to them. And um, yeah, definitely yeah. got a lot from the, the families. And, you know, it's a big like, yeah, a big singing family we would always sing together. And um, yeah, so it was always there. Yeah. So you would watch your parents perform quite a bit. It sounds like yeah. you're going yeah. around to different churches with them and uh, were you ever uh, a part of that or was that just kind of their thing? And you yeah, no, we, your brother would kind of sit we got by the side? Into it. Oh, we you definitely did? Okay. got dragged into it. <laughs> Towards, uh, they recorded two albums, which we still have like cassettes around the house of their, That's their, awesome. two, their two records. And the second one, uh, me and my older brother and I don't know if my younger brother was born at that time, but um, and some of our cousins, he might have been, uh, like sang backing vocals on one of the songs and so they would get us up eventually at these at you know some of these churches to sing which i just loved <laughs> i bet that was exciting though to have like hear your voice on the on a cassette yeah like, wow like this is awesome no, it was. my parents cd like this is it rad. was because actually my uncle uh is a sound engineer so my my grandfather on my father's side was was an anglican minister um Mm -hmm. and and uh yeah my dad's brother max is a sound engineer and so he had a studio at his house uh which is where i think mum and dad recorded those albums but i remember like from a quite a young age like messing around with uh, in max's studio with his son my my cousin guy who who has become a, a great uh sound and lighting engineer and you know making like making recordings probably the first time i ever experienced being in a recording studio recording something was was uh at that time whether it was with mum and dad recording those songs or whether it was just us kids mucking around recording mm-hmm. silly things on uh expensive equipment yeah that's amazing <laughs> so you yeah you were kind of in involved in music your your entire life and so when you started to pursue this as your your career path were your parents like supportive of it instead yeah. of being like, you get a job you know what i mean like yeah no. that's kind of their deal so that's yeah cool. that's right no they have always been crazy supportive to a fault maybe i don't know <laughs> i would have <laughs> i would have maybe given up uh, a long time before but i was you know, I didn't sort of do music. Music was something I was always doing, but it was not necessarily like the focus of my career. I know when I left high school, I took a couple of years off before I went to uni, uh, ostensibly to do music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a little duo with a friend of mine and, you know, I recorded, spent some of my own money and had like an EP recorded, but it was all very, uh, I don't know. It's a different time as well. It's like the very early two thousands. Um, I there was no plan. I didn't. I didn't know very much about the music industry because, for all of the kind of 
you know, uh, for all the people around music I had in my family, no one was really in the industry <laughs> and mm -hmm. I couldn't, I, I didn't really know anything about the music industry and I, and I'm not very good at asking questions or asking for help or finding things out. So I just kind of did my own thing and, uh, it didn't really go anywhere. And eventually after that two years, I went and I studied uh, fine arts, which is, which is, uh, like painting and filmmaking were the other things I was really passionate about and interested in. And so I ended up taking like four years starting as a fine arts degree and then basically finishing as a film uh making degree uh wow in sydney um and so yeah that was yeah like a long journey and i didn't come back to music till sometime after that really wow so were you really pursuing the the filmmaking career for a while then or yeah for a little while i mean it's a much i think what i realized early on was uh, it's such a deeply collaborative uh, art, filmmaking. Um, it's very hard to just do something. And in some ways, like painting w was always the thing that made the most sense to me, which is what I first went to university f to study because it was so immediate. And I still kind of feel this way. It's like, I could get 95% of what I get out of my uh, music, I think, from from painting. Uh, you know, you, you kind of can just, you'd have an idea or, and, and then you're, and then you do it, you know, and you can just be in a room and, and do it. And filmmaking was a really different process. And I would love coming up with ideas and I quite liked the editing process, bringing everything together. And when it was just me and I could kind of just as quickly as possible get the things in my head out. But when it came to all of the logistical things involved in actually shooting something, um, I just, yeah, I felt I found that really hard. And I think part of why I drifted back to music was just frustration of like wanting to make something now, you know. Um, right. Yeah, it's a and massive was, process to do a like a film. Even a sorry, go ahead. Even a yeah, even a short film is is a huge a huge process. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, and I'm what, fundamentally impatient or something because <laughs> you got to get everybody together, right? Actors, everything, and then when yeah. the footage is done, you got to take all the audio. You got to get there's just so many moving pieces, and that's uh, yeah. I was before I start. I did radio. For a long time before i continued to just do this podcast but like television and film were something i was also interested in and it was like you'd watch a movie and be like why do they need 10 million people to work on this and then you see <laughs> why you do you're like yeah. oh well there's so many parts that you have to think about like all like happening at once and then getting everybody together i guess it's kind of like being in a gigantic band of some sort like everybody has I suppose, to be on the yeah. stage, you know what i mean yeah and i would find too like a lot of the times I'd have an idea and, and by the time you got through all of these steps, uh, these production steps, I'd have like moved on emotionally and creatively. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even care about this. And this happens in music, you know, <laughs> as, as you would know as well, like you, you work on an album for however long. And then by the time you come to release it, you feel like I don't care about any of this anymore. This is like, yeah, you just numb or just kind of yeah. heard the song so many times. You're like, that's is right. anyone going to care anymore? Like, <laughs> no one's and, heard it yet. <laughs> that's right. And with filmmaking, I think like you can get there before you've shot a single second of footage, you know, just because right. it takes so long to. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe that was the thing. I do love it. Sometimes I think about getting um back into it and obviously music videos are a, a way we can kind of dabble um but even that honestly when i came to do this last video i did and i was talking about it with my manager it was still because we floated me you know directing something it just like <laughs> just the idea the idea of doing that work uh yeah really took it took it out of me. So it'd have to be something <laughs> I was deeply, deeply passionate about. And I'm not saying it won't happen, but uh, I'm very happy like being able to make music at the moment. And that's sure. all I'm thinking about. 
<laughs> so you yeah. were doing music up until you you said you took a year or a couple of years off between high school and university to focus on music and then yeah you, that's right what just were burnt out on it or like what made you want to go do you just were interested in well, film? like how did you i'd make already that decision? well i'd already um so i'd already gotten into the fine arts uh course to to do painting when i finished high school um yeah. and so i deferred at those two years to 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 do music and to see what happened and oh, so got it yeah when i came back uh I don't know. I think I was relatively felt relatively negative about I it's so so hard for me to remember what my headspace was at the time. But yeah. I don't think I felt great about it all. You know, I put a lot of effort into things. And that's really the story of the first like 15 years of my music career and me like working very hard and putting a lot of energy and effort into it. And then just having things be flatly ignored uh, mm-hmm. by everybody. Um, <laughs> And so I was feeling a bit defeated by it, but I was also really passionate about painting. I was desperate to to do more of it. And it was two years into my fine arts degree that I wanted to shift more to filmmaking. So I actually changed universities and got some credit for those couple of years um, and finished up my degree at UTS uh, in Sydney, a a different university to the the one I was at. And yeah, by the time I finished that, I didn't really do, I was doing bits and pieces of music in and around, but um, yeah, I was not, I was certainly not sort of pursuing it. I suppose it always stayed as a thing in the back of my mind. Um, Mm -hmm. I kept writing, but there were probably a few years there where I wrote a song a year, you know, which is crazy Mm -hmm. for me to think about now because I write so many a year now, but there, there were really a couple of years there where it was mostly a dormant um, thing in my uh-huh. life. What drew you back in? Do you remember? What drew me back in? Well, we moved, I moved with my wife to Canberra uh, at the end of all of this. She had studied law. She went and, and worked for like a government uh, agency, a graduate program sort of thing. And I was still pursuing the film stuff then. I remember trying to get work in a few different, um, a few different uh, uh, like production house sort of things in Canberra, but it was very, there were not many opportunities. I'm not sure exactly. I think I had started writing. I'd been doing some collaboration with a friend of mine who was a poet. We'd made a film together. He was actually sort of getting divorced at the same time I was getting married and there was kind of a, just like a beautiful synthesis of some (laughs) ideas uh, in our relative stages of our life. So I did some like writing songs to his lyrics, to his poetry, Mm -hmm. which maybe like was freeing in some ways and maybe helped me um, just sort of be musical again without, um, yeah, without the pressure of having to, Beeps have some sort of musical. Oh, you froze. Oh, yeah. am I back? back? You're back. Okay, sorry. Uh, for some reason, my my uh, Wi-Fi changed things. No, all good. Yeah, you you were in the middle of a sentence, and then you froze, so, and then you, yes, yeah. Sorry, I was saying. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm honestly, not sure what drew me back into it. It just seems like I kept returning to it. You know, I couldn't really help it. And mm-hmm. it kind of sucked because it was really hard and like I, I would make stuff and no one would hear. And this was a very early kind of internet days too. I remember I was writing songs and just like putting them up on a, an internet site that wasn't even like a music sharing site. It was just like I had a folder of music on the internet uh-huh. that I would like invite people to go listen to. Um, and MySpace you know, was yeah. a thing. <laughs> a lot of bands got big on MySpace. I mean, that became yeah. kind of a music discovery thing for you know some people. It was actually it was cool when I when we moved to Canberra. I remember going on MySpace and like I found I just like looking up Canberra bands, uh, you know, and like messaging them. And I remember I had this one band 
and I became quite good friends with with uh, one of the singers from the band. But I just like invited them over for dinner. I was like, <laughs> "You guys want to come round to dinner?" And they did, and it was That's really awesome. weird. Um, but yeah, I was obviously like proactive uh, in some way. I still felt like there was a thing I needed to do, and and I understood at that point too somehow that like other people would be important to that, like making musical connections would be important to that. Even though this was before I really understood anything about co-writing or writing for other bands or I just didn't even know that world existed mm -hmm. at this time. Um, but, uh, yeah, I seem to understand that I would need friends. Other people. Yeah, no, <laughs> it would makes need a lot of sense. You need humans. a community of people, right? Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's interesting because... I would imagine you said earlier that, you know, you're putting a bunch of stuff out or working on a bunch of music and then like no one was coming to it. And you're like, you get, you know, like, oh, my, like, is this worth it? I'm wasting all this time. Like uh, what kind of change? I mean, you said that you worked with a, your friend and he had poetry and you're kind of putting it together, your music with that. But like when you kind of got back into writing, was it through uh, writing for other artists? Like what kind of was the first like i don't know i guess validation that you should keep doing the music thing um i don't know if i ever had any solid validation i did have <laughs> i had like um um i mean obviously my like my family and my wife was incredibly supportive and i like always had lots of validation from people that i loved right 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 <laughs> and who loved me and the few people that did seem to come across the music seemed to really like it and respond well to it. So there, there was always bits of validation, but I've always been, uh, I, I'm not someone who needs a great deal of external validation to keep doing something. Um, uh, again, maybe to a fault, like I just, I, I was interested in it and felt compelled to do it. So I kept doing it. I suppose the first I'm, I'm trying to think of the first bits of external validation. I know like in, so I'd made an EP that nobody had heard. I did like a tour with my friend. No, nobody came to any of the shows. I remember playing a show in Newcastle, which is a couple hours North of Sydney mm -hmm. and two, two people came <laughs> to the, to the show and we'd had a theater and it was, so it's like, we, there, were, there were lots of like, rock bottoms at that time <laughs> yeah <no. laughs> but everyone has to go through that right i mean that's i guess not... so yeah yeah i remember i had uh eric wilson of sublime on and he was saying that they went they showed up at like a pizza place because the venue was like oh there's no show tonight and they're and it's like sublime like uh oh okay and then they played in front of like a pizza <laughs> restaurant <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it's like yeah, i remember uh, all of them have you know everyone kind of has those stories i would imagine yeah yeah we used to play i remember i used to do a gig uh with my friend at a borders bookstore you have borders bookstores in yeah America, yeah, yeah we yeah. do and we used to get paid in vouchers <laughs> <laughs> that's cool this was, <laughs> yeah i had this huge dvd collection uh from from playing these borders bookstore gigs i was gonna say I they have the cds scenes. and stuff there are they used yeah, to back in the yeah. day I had pretty rad shit. I had, a, I had, a, and I was at the time I was like really into movies. So uh, you know, I was, I was doing, <laughs> I was, I was living the life. I was very happy with that scenario. And was saying we would go and we would like play at restaurants and just get fed. You know, right? Um, uh, yeah, stuff that blows my mind now to think of we how taken advantage of we are we were. But uh, yeah, the, so the first early piece of validation. So there's this thing in in. Um, uh, Australia Triple J, the big radio yeah, station. Yeah, I know the station. Uh huh. They had uh, for years and years. They had this unearthed thing where they would uncover people, um, you know, indie artists like up and they the way it started was they would go to some little rural town and they'd like, you know, find and so like Silverchair w w were an unearthed band. Oh, actually really? I didn't know that. Out of yeah, out of Newcastle, where I, where I played to two people. Um, Oh wow. Yeah, and there was a number of number of other big Aussie bands came through that unearthed system. But at a certain point in the kind of early or late 2000s, they 
change to being a website thing where you could put up your music and people would listen to it and and rate it and put reviews on it uh-huh. and sometimes the the station would play stuff that was up and i had one song uh that ended up winning like an unearthed award and i got to go to this big songwriting summit i feel like this was 2011 or something like that um mm-hmm. A big songwriting summit that they don't run anymore, but I remember there were, like, I'm trying to remember who the famous people they had there to talk. But, you know, big international guests to talk about songwriting. Um, and I got to go because I'd won this competition and and I got to speak with, uh, what's the fella's name from the Shins? Uh, oh, um, gosh, I'm blanking out too. Now I got to look anyway. it up. Yeah, lovely, it's- lovely guy, <laughs> and <laughs> we and- both just like brain fart on this thing. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I have, I have not. I've not met him since that time, but he he was, uh, you know, really sweet. James guy. Mercer, James Mercer, <laughs> yeah, the wonderful James Mercer, and got to you know talk with him and ask questions, and it was a really validating experience. It was great. I think that was a part of maybe what started to give me an insight into some of these other types of songwriting, although I still really didn't understand the concept of pop songwriting or co-writing in that mm-hmm. way at all. And so well, I, at that time, I, my music was getting like pretty esoteric. I was like, it was more, I was writing more like indie uh uh, rock kind of grizzly bear-esque stuff. And I was okay. traveling up to Brisbane to work with a friend of mine um, and we would record everything to tape and they were beautiful records. And I still, you know, I still love that stuff, but it was like, it was really time consuming. It was kind of the, what I was saying about film. It was like this, I would do these little demos on my laptop, which is still up on the internet. Um, and you can go listen to like through my laptop microphone, I would record these demos and then I would take those up to Brisbane where my friend Matt was. And, uh, we would just like start again and I would play the drums in and play the guitars in one at a time and just kind of layer things up and it was really costly and the result was beautiful, but it was slow in that way that filmmaking is kind of slow and it was frustrating in that way. And it was around that time, probably 2011, 2012, I um, saw this video of Pharrell like making beats mm-hmm. <laughs> on YouTube. And I was like, oh, I think I can, I think I could do that. Um, and I had started doing some production stuff. I'd actually gotten a friend of mine uh, had, had sort of gotten me into the world of like commercial production. And so I had learned how to use logic. I'd learned how to produce things. I'd had some, some, you know, television commercial things work out for me. And, uh, I kind of, yeah, that was one of the things I think that sort of pulled me back to music was like, oh, I can earn some money doing this thing too. You know, this is like, uh, getting paid to do ads and because you were writing, what just like the background music for it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like jingles and, and, oh, that's cool. And not really, I feel like I've never really written a jingle jingle, you know, where you've got like the, you come up with a fun rhyme for the name of the brand. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I never really got to do that. By the time I was doing it, it was all like, basically, we're not going to pay to license this song. (laughs) Can you do something similar? Which now I find kind of abhorrent in in a lot of ways. Um, But as a struggling you know, musician, it was great to be able to earn some money uh, doing that stuff. And I did learn a lot of skills. And yeah, around that time I saw the Pharrell video, I was like, I should just make like a pop. I should just like take all these skills I've learned from advertising and like do make like a pop project. I can record everything at home. I can put it up on the Triple J Unearthed website. And, you know, it can be like something that they would actually play on the radio, unlike the stuff the more esoteric stuff I had been writing. And I did that and I called myself Thief. Uh, that was the artist's name. And yeah. Triple J played it and it kind of, yeah, that was the first like big affirming thing because 
through that, you know, I ended up traveling over to South by Southwest and, and the great escape in the UK and having lots of touring opportunities, most of which I really, uh, despised. I, I was not, you know, I found it, I found it really, uh, yeah, hard. I'm just not made for that life at all. And at the same time, I didn't feel like the music was very representative of who I am. It was more like this interesting project that I was doing that I liked. Uh-huh. I liked that it was different to anything I'd done previous and that was like big and electronic and that was all appealing to me. So in 2014, it was when I was uh, in London actually for The Great Escape uh, with as thief, I did a songwriting camp that APRA, our PRO here, organizes. Uh, they're called Song Hubs. They organize them all, all. I've done them all over the world now, but mm-hmm. this was the first one I'd ever been involved in, and it was my first exposure to writing with other people and writing in that pop room uh, scenario. So this was 2014, and I just loved it and was immediately like. Oh, this is this is the thing I want to do. Uh, you know, I I don't want to be going around playing these songs. I'd I'll happily write the song, and then someone else can go around and do all this and stuff, it. and I can just and play it, <laughs> and I can just stay home. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's dude. Uh, that's so funny because that's exactly how I I'm, I think I'm like oh, I'm not a musician by any. I mean, I could poorly play, but um, I always think about that like. You know, I tried to do the band thing when I was younger, but I like radio became the thing that I was I was like, OK, I'm still involved and I get to meet the people and hang out. But I don't have to like like the whole idea of touring around to me just seems like, oh, man, that's just not me. And I, it's no. so interesting to hear you say that, too, because it's like <laughs> if I would love to just write the stuff and then be like, you can go play. this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It felt like it felt like the magic it felt like secret. I had just been let in on a huge secret and I was like, I can't believe this. And so basically I got home from that. I pretty well stopped doing the thief stuff, uh, in, in like early 2015, the year was, after, I think was the, the last show I played. Was that more of like a, like a DJ electronic set or like, were you just doing that on your own or did you have no, like a live I, I had band a band. And, yeah, oh, I wow. had a live yeah, live drummer and bass player, and I would play like uh, uh, I had like an MPC because I was terrified of taking a laptop uh, anywhere and trusting a laptop. So I had this <laughs> MPC twenty five hundred, which then broke down like before shows, and like then you're oh. completely fucked. <laughs> you're like, who am I going to find to fix this thing? Um, right. But yeah, and and I would play some keyboards, uh, like some synthesizers as well. But it was very, yeah. I mean, you can listen to the to the music. It's like, it's fun, (laughs) I guess. Some of it's really cool. But I just could not. It was not like feeding my soul or anything. So to then be touring around doing a thing I fundamentally didn't want to do was just really uh, defeating. so I basically put it away in 2015 and and then just sought out co-writing opportunities and tried to get into that world. And it was the middle of 2016, I signed a publishing deal with Universal here and then basically just went very hard with the uh, co-writing and writing for other people. And yeah, when that's it, more or less yeah what I've been doing. I, I find it so fascinating in that world because you said you got kind of you know, you're like, I got let in on this secret. So if someone were to like to get the publishing deal, were you submitting like your own songs and demos to like different publishers? And then they would go, oh, we like your songs. Um, and you kind of know going into it that you do, it's not like for your artist project. Like, do they they sign you as, OK, we think that PJ is a guy that could write songs and we can get them to these artist is that kind of what what happens like what like i'm just interested on that yeah the first the first deals i was offered uh publishing deals i was offered were actually for the thief project they were around that because that was getting some heat so people like offered me deals based on that they'd want to license the song or they want you they were they were full 
you know, co-pub deals. So it would have been okay. for all my songs all regardless. Songs. regardless. Um, but at that time, the focus was more on my artist project and, and it, was, it was less about me being a writer for other people. By the time right. I signed that deal, though, with Universal and, and Arwen, who uh, was the person that signed me, she'd just come to Universal Australia. Actually, I was the first person that she signed. Wow. She was one of the first people that I think looked at what I was doing and also saw the potential for me writing for other people. And and I had started doing that already, uh, to be fair. But, um, yeah, she saw my market value as more a- attached to that. So it was... Uh, it was more money and it was just a, di- a better relationship from the very beginning um, because it was all built around that idea of me writing songs for whoever. Um, yeah. So that's and how then that you happened. get what put into different writing sessions with people and yeah. or artists or. Exactly. Yeah. So I, you know, it's a relatively small world here, but I was quickly writing songs uh, with and for like big Australian artists and had some early successes that that kind of um, steamrolled that thing forward a bit. Um, So it all felt very natural and, yeah, the most affirming, you know, the first sort of 12, 18 months of me like committing to writing for other people was incredibly affirming. (laughs) Yeah, because now you're seeing the songs that you wrote be like, yeah, like they do well, right? I mean, yeah, like, exactly. what was that like to see that? I mean, what was the first one that you had it had that where you're like, um, oh, like this is wild. So-and-so yeah. cut my record. Well, I yeah, I wrote, so th- there's a couple of big Australian artists, Jessica Malboy's one and Guy mm-hmm. Sebastian's another, and they're kind of like, uh, you know, for the last 10 years have been like stalwarts of Australian pop music, which is yeah. admittedly a very small world. I know uh, um, I've heard the names. Before. Yeah. 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 So I, I had songs with both those guys quite early on that, you know, got played a bunch on the radio here. Like Jess's song, a song called Fallen was a really big song here. And, you know, uh, was like the, I don't know if it ever reached number one, but it was like the top in the top couple of songs at radio for a long time. And wow. um, yeah, it was such a different <laughs> such a different experience and at the same time i'd helped uh develop this artist rule uh uh from from when he was like 12 years old basically at the time i first was like i'm gonna write with other people uh-huh. uh uh rule sort of came into my life through uh his manager nate and uh, and another producer that i'd been working with and so yeah that project was uh, you know, watching that take off uh, real early on was another incredibly affirming thing. And, yeah, there were just a few things like that that felt like, oh, this is what I wish I'd known about this earlier because I, <laughs> I could have been doing this the last 10 years. I had a bit <laughs> of that feeling. But at the same time, I I did feel uh, like I'd learned so much r- writing for myself and writing honestly like – uh, as though no one was listening because no one was <laughs> and and just writing the and and you know learning what i loved about songs and learning the way you know that i thought was the right way to write a song uh, and kind of learning that in isolation and then bringing that confidence and experience into rooms i felt like was really valuable i also feel like and this is maybe a little uh a little like yeah less of a solid idea but i f- have felt kind of like an outsider with the industry from the beginning and i feel like that's a really good and powerful thing as well i've never felt yeah i've always felt like i don't quite belong here like this is not so there's always this slight discomfort um with the industry, uh, which I know ignored me for so long, that uh, allows you to kind of take a slightly different approach to things and also allows you, I think, to hear artists differently and, and you know, you can 
yeah, I just think feeling like an outsider can be horrible sometimes, but it can also be a really powerful uh, feeling and intuition to have in these things. And that's something I've always really valued about my experience was I did, I was made to feel like an outsider for a long time and I still do. And I'm like quite, uh, I try and hold on to that feeling honestly as much as I can because I think it helps the art at the end of the day. So, yeah, I, 100%. Like with coming from doing, you know, these first, you know, right when you kind of get involved in this publishing deal and writing for other people, now you're seeing success on that end. Does that just open the door to bigger opportunities with bigger artists? And like, is it just kind of like a snowball effect? Like once you start getting some success with certain people, then other people reach out. Um, and is that kind of how, you know, I mean, you've worked with some huge names, but, um, was that kind of what really snowballed the career? Yeah, basically, you, you know, you opportunities lead to other opportunities. And, and I find like, if people enjoy being with you in a room, they're going to, you know, want to do it again and they're going to recommend, and it's great, obviously like having tangible success is good and having things that work is really good but almost as important is just like having people being someone that people enjoy being in a, in a room with and i know that i'm not everyone's cup of tea but for the people that that like working with me really like working with me and and uh yeah i got you know i got a number of opportunities and and a big one was going to these camps um uh like in these barley camps in particular uh where i met noah in 2019 oh that's and, where you met her yeah okay so that's that was at a songwriting camp the barley invitational that i'd been to two times previous i think i went yeah 2017 2018 2019 those three years i went to those camps and they're always wonderful experiences and and, and super amazing writers and producers uh would attend and there would be like a contingent of us like smaller writers from australia who would also go um and have an opportunity to work with these guys and yeah that was uh it was it was that last trip of those 2019 when i worked with noah and uh we wrote july which turned into a really big song and has really uh yes steered the direction of a lot of what i've done since because it, it just the style of songwriting the it was much more where i was at um and 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 the i suppose the connection between what i'd love personally about songwriting and music and what i was doing professionally and creatively became most kind of aligned um and at the same time had the most success so it felt like a really key uh turning point i think that and meeting nara and continuing to work with her and having that be such a great relationship um yeah well oh so that song july came out of that songwriting camp that you guys yeah that's did? the very it was the first day of that 2019 camp the first time oh, i'd written wow. with noah the very very first thing we did together um with uh yeah with michael sonier another um great writer producer and yeah it was uh yeah really magical it felt pretty magic at the time and yeah it became yeah massive massive song obviously yeah. and then you worked on the next couple releases with her right of her yeah her i stuff. i moved to with my family to la later in 2019. oh you um, did okay yeah we planned to do it and we sort of had this little window and we thought I, I think we can go for like three years and, and we'll just do we'll have like some adventures and we'll um you know and i'll get what i can get done in that time and that was like at the end of 2019 so oh my god you know, like five months later uh everything was shut down and our kids were, were couldn't go to school and all of that so yeah we moved back to australia sort of end of 2020 in the end we were there like a year <clears throat> but in that year, you know, 
I help Noah with her first with the end of everything EP. Mm-hmm. Our joint EP together got written then. To fall asleep, the EP I've just released got written then. Oh um, wow! So you did yeah. a bunch of music in the, what that five yeah. month span? Yeah, it was like a. I mean, yeah, all the music was probably written in in less in, in like oh a four months span. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and then and then when I moved back at the end of twenty twenty, we started working on Noah's Noah's album um uh just remotely and pretty well worked with her remotely until i went over there at the beginning of this year and we did some in-person stuff for the first time in like three years that was the first time i'd been back in february this year so everything uh had been written like this you know in zoom (laughs) wow well at least you obviously you had that um connection and that relationship prior yeah. to it. it wasn't like no, totally. she pops up on the screen and you're like okay let's uh, figure <laughs> this out because i would imagine that being very difficult did you have to do other co-writes that were yeah in this setting that you had yeah no we hadn't worked with before i did like i mean for a time it was all like this you know um so i remember i was working with rule for his album when i was in la uh you know all on zoom i, w- I would work you know i did some sessions with other big artists who i'd never met before all on zoom yeah that's, that's a really that's what I was it's a challenging it's a challenging thing um and you know it doesn't always zoom yeah writing on zoom it doesn't always work out but i i find it like it can be just as great and you can write incredible stuff it doesn't need to be a limiting factor i, I find the only really limiting thing is the time you can spend doing it like you would know talking on zoom i find three hours and i'm like i'm oh done. yeah I, you can't look at a little face on the screen for longer than three hours <laughs> you just can't do that that's funny uh, that's kind of my max like i'll do like two to three interviews monday through yeah. friday a day and it's like the days i do era i do a makeup and i have to do like more than three it's like i'm just so drained uh, from just looking at the screen yeah no, <laughs> when you're around just, people it's like it's just such a different vibe that's right and i think it's like there is a thing of when you're looking when you're on a screen like this like you have to you have to like focus harder on body language and all of those things a lot of the things that we just intuit naturally you don't get to on a zoom screen so you have to uh-huh. be like engaged at a different level and especially when you're like people are like putting ideas out there and you know songwriting can be a really vulnerable difficult oh, sure. thing at the best of times so it's like yeah it's it can be rough uh, <laughs> but i have to say i've you know i love it and uh uh i prefer writing with people in the room obviously but not having to physically travel to america uh to LA or Nashville or wherever is that had to be huge. huge. That's yeah. massive. Like, and I still obviously have to do it. Um, but I feel like the more this can be a part of the process, uh, the better I feel about, you know, all of it. Yeah, no, that's, that is the uh, beautiful thing about this is you can work with people around the whole world without having yeah. to get on a plane and do that whole deal. So like you could, yeah, if she was wherever Nashville, LA, whatever you could just do this and write a song. Yeah, it works, and we know now. We know it works because we've done it. Like we've written like twenty or thirty songs this way, and some of them are you know amazing. So we know that it works. We we can do it, but it's still yeah. There's nothing beats you know actually getting to be with someone in person. Yeah. Did yeah. you write a lot in Nashville? I'm recently moved, or about two and a half years ago, moved. I've not written uh, a lot there at all. I'm planning oh. to go uh, later this year. Actually, uh, I think in October I'm going to be there for a couple of weeks. Um, oh, amazing! And that, that'll be like, yeah, I did go. I went for a camp actually. Um, just it must have been end of 2018. Uh, yeah, I went over there for a camp which was great. And I've got a lot of friends based in Nashville and it's very much aligned with the sort of type of songwriting that I love to do and am passionate about. And it makes a lot of sense for me to be over there. Before we moved to LA, we actually, I took the family to Nashville because I thought, oh, maybe this is where we're supposed to be. Um, 
It is. Your your kids would have been back in school earlier. That's yeah. Well, we that's here. true. That's true. <laughs> I was in San Diego and living that same life. Like, yeah. Uh, are we no, ever there's... gonna <laughs> get out of this? <laughs> there there's a lot about it. There's a lot about it that I love. And then there's some things, you know, some of the more like Middle America sort of things that that are maybe like culturally a little harder for us. Like LA just feels like any big city in the world, you know. Whereas Nashville does have definitely a different flavor. Um, but, you know, I'm sure we would have been happy there as well. And, and I do, yeah, having that kind of music community around you uh, is, is massive. And, and uh, I'm very excited to go back and get some work done. Yeah, that's awesome. They're going to be here uh, in October. So, well, tell me about this this new uh, EP that you put out. So like you're writing for other people. That was kind of like a focus. It sounds like for at least a handful of years. I mean, yeah, but you ended up writing this in 2020. It recently came out, but like, uh, were you just work? Cause you were working with Noah during that period. And then you were just what writing so many songs that you're like, Oh, like these maybe won't work for her. Or there was just ideas that you had that were separate. Like, tell me about separating the, the songwriting yeah. and then wanting to do this endeavor. I'm trying to think where my head was at the time, but I, I had signed a deal with, with records and RCA at mm-hmm. the beginning of that year, the beginning of 2020 but before COVID. But so I knew that I was going to do something. I knew I was going to release something. Okay. Um, so you signed with as like a artist project as an artist. That's right. Got it. So, okay. I knew I was going to do something. I knew that me and Noah were going to do something together. So I think I had been writing with a view to all of that, um, just kind of floating around in my head. And, um, yeah, it was a really, like, stressful, you know, difficult time, uh, but it was creatively, you know, there was a lot of energy and I was writing a lot. Um, and felt like I had a lot to say and to sort of get off my chest. <clears throat> and so, yeah, I, it just kind of emerged uh, pretty quickly. They just felt like there was a few of the songs that I just felt like, I think this is, is going to be the thing that I release. Um, and it's kind of weird and dark, and I don't know that it's really what the label thought they were getting. <laughs> Um, I think it's a rat out, (laughs) (laughs) but it is, you know, it's like, yeah, it's dark and, and sad and, uh, all all those things that, that I love, but it felt very personal in a way that I had not written, you know, for a long time, um, because I was always sort of writing for other people. So I was excited. I was excited at the prospect of releasing this sort of much more personal stuff. So I kind of finished, I wanted the songs to be very raw and demo-y and to reflect as much as possible that time uh, in which the songs are written and just about all of the vocals are like the demo, you know, the scratch vocal or whatever. It's not stuff I re-recorded or. Oh, wow. um, Yeah, I just sort of cleaned things up a little bit uh, when I got back to Australia at the end of 2020. And the record was more or less done from early or mid-2021. I think 2021, I, I, at the end of 2020, early 2021, I was finishing Noah and my EP, uh, which is called People Don't Change, which w- was great and uh, but was a lot of work just finishing off. And that came out at the beginning of 2021. And then I think I spent a few months finishing my EP. So it's basically been finished. It was basically finished for like two years before it got released. Wow. Um, so I just sort of had it there uh, waiting for the right moment. For the release, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you jumped back on and worked with her on a, a other thing. Yeah, that's right. Probably and, other projects. And her, her album, her debut album, which came out uh, last year, mm-hmm. um, was, yeah, we, we had to work on. I spent a lot of time later that year working on that and, um yeah, but I was stoked that it that it came out and it was very surreal when it came out because the sort of songs I'd been thinking of coming out for a long time. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, no, I, I'm really happy that it's a thing that's out there in the world now. That was no, it's the, a, it's, oh. it's rad. I love that you use the, the, you know, kind of those first takes on the, the vocal. I've had other artists on my show where they'll say this, like a similar thing where it's like, they'll do uh, a take during the pandemic in the closet with like, a, you know, some hundred dollar sure mic or whatever. And then they'll go to the studio and like, okay, I'm ready to do the, the vocal. And it just, the energy and just like the, it's like it, it, because they've sang it so many other times, like you just don't have that same like emotion yeah. behind it. Did, were you, yeah. or did you not even try to do them again? Or was that kind of like, were you having that similar issue? I feel like I'd already had that discovery in my life previous. So I didn't oh, really okay. even bother because I feel like, and now, uh, yeah, and now I've got beautiful microphones and I've got a beautiful yeah, your vocals, your 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 mic sounds so good on this end. Like this is like the best <laughs> oh, Zoom audio I've ever heard. Yeah, it's an it's an overpriced uh, Zoom microphone, but it is. <laughs> I just use this I, for Zoom. <laughs> I do. Um, I do think, you know, now now it's something I va- I really value because uh, because at the time I was not recording on a nice microphone. I had like a cheap little microphone, and, and you're recording out of bedrooms, but mm. that there is. You know, I've, I've, I don't know what it is, but there's like a magic involved in writing a great song. And sometimes there's like this magical energy in those initial moments after you write a song. And if the vocal can like, if you can still like capture some of that in that first vocal, almost like some of those things are still like not worked out and you're just working out the little melody details and things as you sing the song as you record the track i feel like those are the times i find that the the lead is the most magical uh, you know thing mm. and yeah like i now so now i've tried to make it my situation so that like sonically everything's as good as it can be so that when i do sing that first thing I don't have you know weird noises and hisses and it's on as is got as good a chance to shine and have as much detail in it as as possible um but uh yeah there is definitely a, something true to to that that first those first recordings just having something that you'll never ever get back uh, you could cut it a million times and you'll never recapture that thing Right. So, yeah. Do you feel uh, like you find that with when you record other artists as well? Like, is it like on the first take you're, you could be, I don't know how often producers are like, do it again, do it again, do it again. Or, or and then you just kind of always default back to that first one. Yeah. I mean, I think often it comes more from the artist. There are some producers who are like that, but I think a lot of the times artists are like, oh, let me do it again. Let me do it again. Oh, got it. Okay. Can I, um, and I'm like, I think you. I think the first time or the second time, you nailed it, right? Um, but I don't know. I, uh, also, it's different. You know, like Noah's very. She, she's very uh, perfectionistic when it comes to her vocals, and will often want to do things again and again. And I know for her album, they tried not to do that so much. She did try and get like full takes of everything, and and preserve you know a lot of that magic but it is a hard it's a really hard uh thing to switch your head into thinking and i come from like recording to tape you know i recorded to tape the very first recordings i did were like a tape four track um that you know i i saved up all my money and bought when i was like 16. uh and with tape you literally can only record it so many times right right. especially on those things before it starts degrading and sounding just like you just the white hiss noise you know is the only audible thing (laughs) um so it's like you be very the key is to like be fully in the moment and just commit to a performance and don't try and get it right just try and be there you know with it and that that is 
my kind of philosophy with making records now. It's like I just try and every part, uh, you know, is an opportunity for something really magic to happen and you just got to be present and, and yeah, I rarely record instruments more than once or twice when i'm producing a record oh wow unless i really fuck it up i i (laughs) i I try and i try and you know it's like uh if it if it felt good if i felt like i was you know present for it and and it felt good coming out then it's like i'm not going to do better than that you know there's not yeah and all the little Mm -hmm. things that it all the little bits where you didn't hit the note quite right like you'll just learn to love all of those things you know yeah. That's the crazy thing is that we love the little mistakes and the little Well, it makes like, obviously it human, there are some right? things. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's there's... right. That's right. <laughs> there's some things there it's like if you just like the loud note clangs you know, the wrong note clangs really loudly through something that's fine. We can change that. And I and you know, I I don't have a problem too with using melodyne to like fix a a, a shonky note uh that that I did in the middle of an amazing performance like i feel like that's fine um i'm not a perfectionistic uh, i'm not like an idealist to that point where it has to be you can't touch it i just like i know that all of the goodness all of the thing that's really valuable in that recording is going to come from me uh or whoever it is performing like just being present in the song in that moment you know, thinking only about what what they're doing, not 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 worrying about uh, getting hitting all the right notes or doing it perfect or how it's going to sound at the other end. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, with your, I mean, you did. Are you doing shows with with Noah and or did you already do them? Like I was, I saw there's a video of you on your Instagram, like one of the most recent posts. It was like a week ago or something. You're playing and uh, you're at a table playing guitar. Um, yeah, yeah. Supporting her on the tour and playing your new EP, or or that already happened. Yeah, that already happened. Just like okay. uh, earlier this week. So I just okay. Sydney and, and Melbourne. I I opened for and and then got up on stage and we sang some of the songs from our EP together. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it was great. <laughs> I hadn't performed like that in like many years. Like back since the Thief stuff you know since 2014 basically oh wow it was almost 10 years uh yeah almost 10 years i have not performed uh so and 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 it was very different music the last time i performed me with a guitar you know singing songs is probably 15 years ago or something and and it was to two people in newcastle or something you know what i mean it was <laughs> yeah. like to, it was She's like, probably to like a huge like a massive yeah that's stadiums. right yeah and this was such a such a different experience and it felt you know, i was incredibly grateful to to have that experience and it made me really grateful for like the last 10 years yeah all of all of the things on that journey you know um to to hear people like so uh wrapped and like just you know wanting to listen and hanging on on every word it's like such a different experience and i just felt so lucky to to be able to have that experience and celebrate uh all the music i've gotten to make with noah as well which is some of my favorite music so awesome that's and that's probably like just enough you said you don't like touring so you're like okay i'm gonna do some shows (laughs) they're big ones and then now i can go Uh, hang it I up for a little yeah. bit and then you know if i need to come out and do it <laughs> exactly more, yeah that's, that's exactly cool. i love that. i mean it didn't uh, yeah i didn't I, i'd wondered whether i was going to do it and finish it and feel like all right let's go i love touring now like <laughs> right oh I yeah quite, i couldn't want the I other way i didn't quite right? feel like that yeah, i didn't quite <laughs> feel like that <laughs> but also it was great and it was fine and and i'm sure i'll do plenty more playing and i'll, I'll do much more than than a couple of shows every 10 years but um <laughs> Yeah, it's such a, it's lovely. It's really lovely being able to play songs for, for people who are excited to hear them. <laughs> sure, that's awesome. Well, PJ, thank you so much, yeah. man, for doing this. This has been awesome. Um, I love what you're doing. Um, yeah, I can't wait to hear. Uh, I'm sure you've got hundreds upon hundreds of songs that haven't came out yet, but um, I, I'm excited for, for what's to come. I mean, do you ha- are you going to release more music uh, as an artist project? 
goal? Yeah, I definitely will. I like, yeah, I absolutely will. It's, it's, you know, regardless of whether anyone hears it, it's, there are some songs that like, I, I'm the only person that can, or I feel like I should be the person that sings that one, you know, it's too personal or whatever mm-hmm. it is. So there's always going to be songs I want to put out and, uh, yeah, I'm more excited to do so than I ever have been. So uh, I feel I feel good about that. There'll be more more new music. Hopefully, hopefully next year. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks again for for doing this. I have one more question. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. I do, I get asked uh, a lot, and I feel like I'm a terrible person to ask because, as I've said, like. It, it was it's been a very long and strange journey but i suppose like be be patient and be focused on on getting better and on on your own art and uh i think eventually <laughs> the people that kind of stick it out and and get better and better you know uh people will notice eventually someone's gonna take notice and if you love what you do and are excited by what you do that all that stuff's going to translate so that's terrible advice there's nothing concrete in there but you know just keep going (laughs) 